Hello everyone, welcome to Software Savvy Tech Talk for Non-Tech People. Do you have an app idea that you want to bring to life? Or maybe you're a business owner whose next step for growth involves creating a mobile solution. Building an application from start to finish can be a very complicated and involved process, but fear not, on this episode of Software Savvy, we're going to be talking about the earlier stages of the app development process. We'll be talking about the ideation and research phase, and we'll look at tips that can create a solid foundation for the rest of your project. My name is Alondra Cruz. My background is not in tech. However, our guests today are experts in the field of research strategy and project life cycles. Today with us, we have Jonathan Sassy, who is a seasoned senior strategist. We also have Josh Dunce, who is the president of Matoba. They'll be here today to share their advice. So Jonathan, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. We can just get started. I have an app idea. Oh, we'll keep it vague. What do we do to get started after you kind of have this idea, but you don't really know where to start? Thanks for having me. I think the one thing we all experience, maybe even every day, is sometimes you'll be doing something and say, oh, I wish there was an app that did this thing, whatever it might be. We run into that a lot. The more apps we use, the more we identify that there could be an app that might fix a problem I had. The first step is really trying to understand, is this a problem that's unique to me that I'm trying to solve? Or is this a problem that might apply to many people that are trying to figure out if there's a solution here? That's a great first step. Just be making sure that you're not in some kind of echo chamber where you have identified what you seem to believe is a huge problem that everyone has. And that if you could only create an app, it would solve all these problems. So really trying to get a handle on that's important. And then the next step would be doing the best you can to understand if this already exists. Sometimes we run into a situation where we wish something might exist and we're going to make it our mission to go solve that problem, only to find out someone has already solved that problem. We just weren't aware of it yet. That's a really important step too, making sure that it's a problem that might affect many people that you believe you could solve, as well as there's not already a solution out there that you just haven't found yet. And that, those are two very important steps in kind of getting started to understand if this is an idea that will bear fruit in the future. I would say maybe the third thing just in the beginning is, do you have some specific expertise that you could bring to this that's gonna help you solve this problem where maybe people might have failed in the past? Either you have specific hands-on experience or you have a creative solution to the problem that you haven't seen somewhere. But somehow, other than just identifying the problem, you are uniquely tasked with actually going out and solving this for the masses. And so before you take even your very first step, those are some really important things that you need to kind of ask yourself and really decide, am I really going to jump in here and go try and solve this problem with this idea that I have? All of this kind of sounds like it involves a lot of research. I'm curious to the type of market research or the approaches that you should take whenever you're looking into these types of questions. Yeah, a lot depends on what kind of problem you're trying to solve. If it's something that might, again, affect thousands or tens of thousands or millions of people, there's a good chance that just doing some research out there as far as finding groups where people are talking about these problems, whether it's blogs that are out there, social media groups, many times you can find that if it's a problem that affects a lot of people, there's people talking about it. So that's a great place to immerse yourself into those environments where you can learn. There's a lot of information out there. You can talk to people who also experience this problem. And you can start to look at, is there certain language that people use? Are there certain ways they describe the problem that's kind of consistent? And then you can start exploring those things as well. And you'll start to find that maybe there's articles written about this. Maybe there's large groups that are talking about this. And that will start to help, one, reveal how many people are really struggling with this, as well as add some additional dimensions to what you experience. But then the other thing too, is very frequently you'll see if there's a solution out there, those people are talking about it. And now, it may be that that solution isn't great, 
And maybe there's somebody tried to solve this problem, but they did a really poor job of it, or they didn't address this really critical thing. And those are all opportunities for you to embrace your own idea and validate that it's something that is material for a large group of people and that there may not be a solution out there that's adequate for everybody. So there's a lot of information out there that you can do on your own from a research perspective. You can go further by either commissioning research projects from agencies that do that, or if you have an expertise on that yourself, of trying to survey a large enough group of people that are affected by whatever the problem is you're trying to solve to get as much data as you can. And that will help reveal if there's a real opportunity there. It'll reveal if people are willing to pay money to solve that problem. It will reveal if there's maybe some viral opportunities there where if people said, if there was a solution to this, I would tell the whole world kind of a thing. And you can see that there's excitement around pushing the solution out there. There's a lot of research at our fingertips already. There's people who publish reports. There's journalists who write articles. There's social media groups where there's a lot of conversation. A lot of it's just trying to figure out where are people talking about this problem? How are they solving it today? And does my idea inject some new life into a solution here that might appeal to this group of people? After you've kind of determined that there is or isn't that need for whatever solution you're trying to create with this app, where do you go from there? You see that there's a need for the app. This is something that could bring a lot of value. What would the next steps be after that? If you're at the point where you've identified a problem you think you can solve, you've identified that there's a large group of people out there that are in a similar situation, you've added content to that solution by understanding what some of these other people are going through, and you've evaluated what competitive solutions are out there and how you can be a unique player in that space. Oftentimes the next challenge is being very honest with yourself. What am I good at? What am I best at? How can I add as much value to this as I can? And where are my weaknesses? Do you have funding to go tackle this project? Understanding where the money is going to come from to do this. Is it a website or a mobile app or a combination of things? If you might be an engineer at heart, in which case you want to bootstrap and you're going to actually develop and ideate this thing on your own. It might be that you have creative talent and you can illustrate the solution of the problem, but you can't execute it. So really being honest with yourself about what you are exceptional at and where you have weaknesses will help you identify where you need help. And then trying to understand how much is that help going to cost me, either in time or money or both. That will also start to inform, could I bootstrap this myself with my available resources, whether that's credit or cash or other things I have on hand? people I know that would be willing to jump in and help me that have the expertise that I need. Maybe they trade equity for their ability to do work on your project. There's a lot of creative opportunities where you don't necessarily need to burn a whole bunch of cash right up front, but you really need to get to a point where you can prove that your solution is adequate for the problem at hand. And that might mean that you've got engineering work to do. If it's an app, you're building a prototype or some minimum viable product. You're designing some experiences there. And you're starting to get it to a point where people not close to the solution that you're working on can understand it. You can articulate the problem. You can articulate the solution. You can articulate the customers that need it. You have some idea of the value that they place on that solution, as well as how hard is it going to be to actually build this thing and get it to market? And that will inform a lot. You might be able to bootstrap it your whole self by saying that is you might have enough reserves. You might have enough people in your network. You might have enough personal skills to get it to a point where it's ready for testing without having to put a whole lot of resources on the table. Or you might need to go raise money or you might need to bring in a partner in order to hit some of these milestones. And so doing that in earnest upfront is really important. Know what your strengths are and know what your weaknesses are and how you are going to 
fill the void of those weaknesses. And then you can decide, do I need to hire or spend money or raise money? Or can I do this myself? I am curious as to how this process might differ from somebody who may be just coming in with a really solid idea versus someone who has an established organization with set business practices who is looking to maybe do some digital transformation and build an app or website. How might that change from someone who already has some practices in place? Yeah, there's pros and cons to both sides. If you're an individual and you're doing it for the very first time, in some cases, it's nice. You have the vision. You're the key stakeholder. You can run as fast as you want and you can bring in additional resources as needed. You can fast track things. You can move really quickly, especially if you have any experience at all in creating a new product like this. A business who's going through some transformation. The challenge is there is that typically for somebody who's facing a transformation decision and they've been doing business for the same way for a long time, and now customers are starting to demand a better experience, a mobile app or a website or a more fluid tech integration, whatever it might be. That's where the decision to either build a team and invest in that team and move forward versus hiring a partner to help you do that, it becomes a really critical crossroads. That's a decision that's tough for a lot of companies to make. Typically, that means that it's not in your DNA to even understand how much it would cost or how hard it would be to do these things. It's a digital pivot for you, so it's new. And so really the way that's best to make those decisions is to understand the people in your organization who do have that in their DNA. They might have the experiences, they might have the vision, they might have some of the ideas in order to empower them to start to create some definition and a plan for how to execute this. Those people can be invaluable to your organization, especially if senior leadership is to where a digital roadmap might be kind of foreign to them. Bringing in the people on your team who really understand it and listening to them is going to help a lot. The other thing is, if you're going to hire an agency, which is really common, you also need to make sure that you've had enough conversations to be able to ask the tough questions. The agencies are going to ask you, what is your idea? Why is this idea going to work? Who cares that you make this thing? Where are your challenges in your organization? What do you do well now? What do your customers want from you? There's a lot of tough questions in there, and those are things that you want to be prepared to answer. But an agency does this every day. This is their expertise. And if you're looking for somebody to run alongside you quickly as you need to make some difficult decisions for your company, Having an agency that has proven experience in this can be invaluable. There's a risk if you try and hire everybody internally that you may not hire the right people. You may hire the wrong configuration of your team. It's really difficult to have to change that plan once you start it. If you go hire 20 people and it turns out you need 10, that's a very complicated situation for a company to be in, to have to let those people go in order to rebuild the team again. There's different paths for organizations facing a crossroads versus an individual. The challenges for an individual typically are related to resources. Many times a project is more complex or costs more money or takes more time than you might expect. And you need to be prepared for that. If I raise $50,000, I'm going to be set on this project and I'll be great through launch. And then it turns out you run out of money in the first 90 days and you're not sure what to do next. So there's challenges around that. And going in with your eyes open is really helpful. Bringing in people you trust, advisors you trust is also really important. Trying to do it by yourself, especially if you haven't done it repeatedly before, is really difficult. And chances are you're going to learn a lot of really tough lessons if you don't surround yourself with people who really get it and do that upfront research so that you have a good idea of what you're trying to do when you go into it. So speaking more for the people who maybe are in industry verticals that already have a lot of existing solutions, how do you decide whether to go with a software that's existing that may be slightly customizable to your organization versus building something that's completely custom from scratch? 
But research becomes really important here as well. You're going to want to look at people who have similar types of problems that you do. Doing some research there to figure out, do companies like yours, have they found solutions in these out of, you know, off the shelf or out of box solutions? They may mention that, yeah, we went with an out of box solution, but here were all the pitfalls of that. And you can learn from that. Time to market is really important as well. You need to balance of, I need to get to market really fast, or I need to get to market with exactly the right solution. And sometimes those two things don't align up. If you can procure something off the shelf that others have found are solving most of the problems you have, and it gets you to market more quickly, that could be a great option. The downside is if you buy a solution expecting to customize it, the amount of effort it may take to get it to do what you actually want it to do might be a lift that's heavier than you expected. The last thing you want to do is get 12 months into customizing an off-the-shelf solution only to find out you really need to build it yourself. And now you've lost that year and whatever resources you've put into that. So really trying to understand what the most critical problems that you're trying to solve are and whether or not those off-the-shelf solutions are checking those boxes. If you're having to make too many concessions up front, chances are you're going to be paying for that in the future over and over and over again. If you're not sure, trying to bring in someone who can help you assess that is really important. There's a lot of agencies out there that could come in and try and understand what your problem is, what the options are that are off the shelf and what it might take to build it yourself. The advantages of building is obviously you get to build exactly what you need. You also get to control when new features get updated, when maintenance gets performed. A lot of these things that dependencies on a third party can be really difficult. The downside to that is it typically requires more upfront cost to build it yourself. So you really need to take a look at does out-of-pocket costs right now play a big role in the decision I'm about to make? Do features and enhancements 18 to 24 months from now, are those going to be really critical for me? Do I really understand what my needs are in a software that I might be looking to procure or build? Because sometimes people make a decision too quickly and pick one path or the other and don't find out till it's way too late that they actually went down the wrong path. It never hurts to invest a little extra time up front to ensure that you're actually starting down the right path before you have to unwind some of the decisions you've made. Right. JD, I know that you've had experience at Matova with the custom site and in past lives with more off the shelf types of softwares. Do you have any insight into looking at the difference between the two options? Yeah, I think a lot of it goes back to what Jonathan said, like, what is the end goal? Are you really trying to provide this very customized solution for a specific type of customer or is it more generic audience that you can get by with providing a more generic experience? I'm sure a lot of the questions probably come down to budget, scalability, how important is it to have a really strong brand presence within that product too. So those are some of the things that people should probably keep in mind as well. So let's say we have our app, we've created it all, we've created design, we developed it and it looks good and it's ready to go to market. How can I ensure that it's not going to sink and people are actually going to use it? Well, hopefully a lot of the work you did up front will determine who your customers are and what they care about. That's really important. When it comes to marketing, when it comes to PR, when it comes to getting the word out, bringing in new customers, you need to speak the right language to the right people. If you are at a point where you feel like what you've created is something that's for everybody, you've probably missed a step. Most products out there are not for everybody. They're for very specific people who have very specific problems they're trying to solve. So the first step as part of that early research, but also as part of the launch, revisiting that is who are the people who care that I did this and how can I talk to them? That's really the most important thing. If you're wasting resources talking to people who don't care, 
or you're not talking to the people who do care in the right way, you're going to miss and you're going to spend time and money that will be difficult lessons to learn. So that's really step one. Really what you also want to look at is where do my customers go for information? Who do they trust? Because they may not trust me yet. I might be new. My brand might be new. My product might be new. And things I say may not matter to potential customers in the same way. However, typically we all have places we go for news, for information, places we trust. Finding the places that your customers trust in order to get your message out is really important, but also that that message is coming from someone they trust. And so this is where PR can be really important. You're working with journalists who write content in places where your customers go for information. That's a sweet spot. It's very important to do that. It gives you some third-party validation. It's from an outlet that they already trust and believe in. And the information that they see and hear in those locations is going to be something that's more meaningful to them than if you told them yourself or if you put that in an ad. Now, the combination of those things is really powerful. If you have external marketing that you're doing, you're marketing to the right people with the right message, but you also have air cover from third parties and other places they trust, that combination of things is really, really powerful. I read an article somewhere, a place that I trust that's talking about solutions to a problem I have. And then I see marketing from that same brand who's speaking the same language that I speak when I talk about these things. I'm much more likely to lean in and engage and want to learn more or try it. So making sure that you really understand that's really important. It's really, really critical to not just put all your eggs in one basket or to go out and say, my product's for everybody. Everybody loves what I've done. So I'm going to market to the whole world on this. The chances are you're not going to get the conversion rates you want and you're going to burn up a whole lot of marketing assets, learning some tough lessons. Yeah. JD, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I think looking at it from the two different approaches, right? If we're looking at it from like an early stage startup that's trying to introduce something new to the market by some more mature business that's looking at an app as more of a digital transformation or just providing a better experience. If we look at it through the lens of an early stage startup, I think a lot of times I've seen in the past companies waste a lot of money building out this enhanced product or building an app before they've even validated the market or the idea of what they're trying to build in the first place. So really trying to dive deep into, okay, what is the true MVP version of this that we can launch? Maybe that's just a website with a landing page and you're just collecting email addresses or Maybe you have a fake button that people click on to download an app and they're really not downloading an app, but you can track that conversion rate. Or maybe a product is a PDF and they're using the PDF instead of the app version. But really just trying to like, what is the cheapest option of getting this into the market and actually validating that people care and want this before you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on actually developing the app? I think a lot of people could save a lot of money and time by like doing that first step, but it's not a sexy option to do a lot of the time. So a lot of people skip that step. I think we're coming up at our closing time. Do you guys have any final remarks that you want everyone to keep in mind before we head out? One thing I would add is one of the most difficult things, especially as an individual, companies run into this as well. But one of the most difficult things in this process is if you need to raise money and win. And how much? And how much equity do I give up? And on and on and on. It's a really challenging situation to be in. And while we might save that for another pod where we go into that in more detail, the one thing I would say is if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a visionary, if you've got a great solution to a problem and you fundamentally believe in it, if you have to raise money, you want to raise it from people who believe in you, not just the people who will give you money. It's a common mistake. It's really tempting. If you're out trying to raise money and you've got somebody willing to give you money, 
but they don't necessarily believe in everything you say or believe in the approach you're taking, but they're willing to invest in you to go try and tackle the same problem. That's a really difficult spot to be in. I would encourage anybody, any entrepreneurs out there, anybody looking to pave their own way and go solve a really challenging problem. If you're going to raise money, raise money from the people who believe in you and your ideas and will support you in that. The last thing you want to be do is butting heads with the folks that are funding your project right from the jump. And it happens all the time. It is tempting if somebody says, here, I'll give you a million dollars to go solve this. And I want, you know, 51% of your company. There's a lot of things that are attached to that. And if you don't exactly understand what they want, and if they don't necessarily subscribe to your ideas and vision, you might want to keep exploring other options because it's a tough road. And the last thing you want to do is Take money just for the sake of taking money because it can slow your project down and derail the whole thing if you're not careful. That makes a lot of sense. JD, did you have anything to close this out today? Yeah, I would just say a lot of people don't spend enough time actually talking to their customers. You know, I think surveys are great, kind of market research, all that stuff is awesome. But spending quality time actually on a Zoom call or on a regular phone call, talking to your customers and really getting to understand deeply what the problems are and how you're going to help them solve that, I think is invaluable and not enough people probably spend enough time doing that. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to me. I hope our listeners learned a lot about those earlier stages and things that you kind of have to consider whenever you come up with a brilliant app idea and really don't know where to go next. I hope everyone enjoyed today's discussion. Make sure to follow us on LinkedIn and subscribe to our podcast to make sure you tune in for the next episode. Thank you.